Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and it is the hard time of the season where decisions have to be made, the roster has to be molded together, and the Pittsburgh Penguins showed the brunt force object of that on Sunday afternoon, cutting 17 players. One other player is looking like he will be cut after tonight's preseason game, but we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about our bold predictions for the 2022-23 season. I've been ready for this. In particular, one of my predictions I've had loaded up since the end of June, ready to go for this episode. So I'm excited to actually talk to you about that because I haven't told you any of my bold predictions, Horwat, and neither have you told me any of yours. So this is going to be interesting to see where we go when it comes to this is our projection taken out past the umpteenth degree. Like th- These are very bold predictions. We're not going to come out and say, Jake Gensel's going to score 40 goals. That's not bold. And if somebody says that's their bold prediction, turn their podcast off, turn their YouTube video off because... They're, they're scared to get out there and put something out there that is a little bit ridiculous. But that's what we'll do, and then we'll end it with our pens poll. But Horwat, we got to start here. The Penguins making roster cuts. Trim the roster down to 28 players. Five more cuts have to come before the start of the season for the Penguins to become compliant with the 23-man roster of the NHL. A lot of cuts on this list. What is one name that you saw that kind of surprised you a little bit? On the cut list, I think the... The uh, Valtteri Pustin getting cut this late, um, you know, it's shocking he made it that far, but at the same time, it's kind of shocking he got cut at all to start. Mm-hmm. I think the big one, though, for everyone is going to be the Drew O'Connor selection, the Drew O'Connor uh, subtraction from the lineup, because sure, he may not have been fighting for a play or a playoff spot, for a roster spot exactly. Um, he was up there with guys that could be the 13th forward, maybe even the 12th guy in. Uh, so it's a little surprising to see O'Connor the one that gets that that big axing. Everyone else, you know, it at least makes sense. Alex Nylander, I think we were all thinking, would fight a little more for it. Um, but I think we all, in the back of our heads, knew his place was going to be in the, the AHL. Same with Kajula, and like I said, same with Pusinen, guys like Hollander, young guys. Legre may put up a fight, but... Uh, Again, he was a guy that we knew was going to be sent down, but maybe brought up faster than uh, we thought before. As for the defenders, nothing surprising. As for the goalies, nothing surprising. So I would have to chalk it up to Drew O'Connor in that spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Just when I look at these cuts, there's a couple and most of them made sense, okay? You had that game on Saturday, and yes, the Penguins lost again in the preseason, but you had that game on Saturday of mostly these players. Basically stating that the Pittsburgh Penguins, who have one of the oldest teams in the National Hockey League when it comes to combined age, are not taking the preseason very seriously. Their big guns have played in one game. They're going to play in a second one later tonight. They'll probably play in the third one later this week. But they were not going to make their big guns, Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, even Jake Gensel. They're not making them play. And I, I think the big thing about that is... They play all of these inter-squad scrimmages, which are, and have been, at least from what I've seen, just as intense as a preseason game, which isn't saying much, but why worry about playing these guys against other teams who have players that are trying to make a name for themselves when you can control the entire environment and control both sides in the regular camp practices for the inter-squad scrimmages. So I, I really like that uh, that train of thought. I like that way of attacking it. But uh, honestly, I, I think that when you look at this, the, the first thing you have to look at, and, and I tiered this a little bit, but the first thing you have to look at is tier number four for me, which is these are the junior players that stayed longer because they were injured. That's Owen Pickering, that's Nico Collins, and honestly, you expected them to go, and now that you saw them both practicing, it was only a matter of time, and this is what happens. They both get returned to juniors. And that's just exactly what we were expecting. Also, it was Nolan Collins, but um, yeah, it's just... What we were Who's expecting. Nico Collins. Nico Collins is a wide receiver in the NFL. Was, yeah. Jesus. I never heard of that name before in my life. But yeah. Yeah, no one pickering we knew was going back to the going back to juniors. We just wanted him up here to get the experience and to get in the reps and to begin growing that bond with the Penguins organization. Mm-hmm. Um Nolan Collins, same thing, I guess. I don't know much about him other than 
he was injured the entire time. Mm-hmm. So we knew some guys were definitely going back to juniors. The other two that were the first two cuts went back to juniors a while ago. So um, this was mostly run-of-the-mill, I would say, for a set of roster cuts. Yeah, we expected that to happen. Honestly, I, I thought Pickering hung on a little longer than I expected. But again, with the injuries, that's what's going to happen. Now, Tier 3 is the tier with the most players. This is basically the probably not going to see them back in Pittsburgh this season tier. Uh, most of them, I mean, maybe Dustin Tokarski. We've always seen how you need a, uh, a third-string goalie from time to time. So maybe Tokarski, maybe Philip Lindbergh. Those two goalies were the final two goalies sent down to create, obviously, DeSmith and Jari as your top two, but then the rest of this tier is Jamie Devane, Olsen, Nathan Legare, Ravis Ansons, Corey Andonofsky, uh, Xavier Ouellette, Colin Sawyer, and Jack St. Ivany. Guys that, yes, they're good enough to make it past that first round of cuts. Yes, they're guys that the Penguins are going to keep their eyes on this season and want to see a lot of progression from, but also they're guys that you really don't expect to see in the NHL level unless you have to really hit that emergency break glass if button. Oh, yeah. Yeah, these are guys you we're not going to see, we may not see for a long, long time. Maybe probably not until, what, next preseason? Next camp? Uh, for a lot of them, unless you watch Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins hockey where you're going to see all of them. And honestly, this year, same thing I said last year. There's a lot of guys that you're going to want to watch in Wilkes-Barre. So if you can and you want to see some good hockey, you're going to see guys like Legaray, guys like, I mean, Jamie uh, Devane was a monster in that fight against Ben Harper. Maybe a very entertaining guy to watch. You know, he's a veteran. Same with uh, Colin Swoyer, Jack St. Ivany, two college signings going to play their first little taste of professional hockey. So there's going to be plenty of storylines in Wilkes-Barre and we're going to have try to have a little bit better coverage of that this year than we did last. They should be a fun team, actually, and a good team if everyone's taking the right strides. They should mm-hmm. be enter- entertaining because they have that decent amount of veteran presence down there uh, with a guy like Taylor Fadoon or the big guy you just mentioned whose name just escaped me. Jamie Devane. Jamie Devane. Oh, yeah. Tacking those two in with all these young guns who mm-hmm. should, who could have futures in the NHL in guys like Philip Hollander, Valtteri Pusinen. Nathan Legere, maybe Sam Poulin. We'll see how things go. Mm-hmm. Who knows with the P.O. Joseph situation. There's a lot of names that, that are going to be down there that are going to make that team very good and very entertaining. Um, hopefully just, just things continue to work out in the right direction for all of those players. And they made the playoffs last year for the first time in a couple of seasons, couple of seasons if I'm not yeah. uh, if I'm not incorrect there. And they also won a playoff series. So they're already miles ahead of the Pittsburgh Penguins at the NHL level. But uh, I digress on that. Tier number two are players that not, you know, not surprising that they didn't make the opening day roster. They had an outside chance entering camp. But guys that we could see at some point later in the season, that's your Nylanders, your Valtteri Pustinens, your Philip Hollanders. These guys that, when they came into camp, you said, you know what, if they come in and they they perform really well and somebody else takes a step back, maybe they do earn a roster spot. But they're not guys that you're going to see, oh, they're going to be the 13th forward because the Penguins want to see them playing hockey, not sitting up in the press box. So those three guys get sent down as well. They're my tier number two of guys that we could see at some point. Yeah, that's just about right. It's Hmm. going to be a lot of break glass in case of emergency type guys, but... uh, Some glass is breaking sooner than others. Um, but these are guys that, I mean, if Hollander and Pustin, we've seen in the NHL before. Mm-hmm. Now it is a matter of getting more legs under you than coming right back up whenever you're needed. Yeah, maybe they can play more than one game this go around. But uh, the Tier 1, and you already mentioned one of those names, Drew O'Connor, who I really thought not only had earned an opportunity to be the 13th forward for the Pittsburgh Penguins out of camp, I thought he was fighting really hard against Ryan Paling to be the 12th forward and be in that opening night lineup, not just the opening night roster. So it's a matter of the fact there that same thing. I guess they want to see him play more. I guess they want to see him not be that 13th forward, not be in the NHL level. He's probably somebody that'll be the first or second call up though. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that he is at the very top of that list. But interesting that they did send him down. I I was not expecting to see his name on the waiver wire. Not the waiver wire. He doesn't have to go through waivers. I wasn't expecting to see his name on the cut list. But again, it might be 
a victim of what's happening with the, the salary cap. And you got to send guys down that are two way. So I, I don't know. I was very surprised to see him. And I was also surprised to see Drake Kajula. I mean, this is tier number one, the tier that I entitled decisions were made here today. And Drake Kajula is somebody that, especially in this past week, You've heard a lot of people talking about he looks really good. The players love to see him. I think it was either Danny or somebody else that's a, uh, that covers the Penguins on the beat said, just a reminder here, I think it was Danny Shiree of DK Pittsburgh Sports. He said, just a reminder, Drake Kajula has never played an American Hockey League game. Well, it looks like that might be changing as he, uh, he was sent down. So it was very interesting that both of those guys were sent down when they were. What a note. I did not realize that. Mm-hmm. And now go figure, I can't find his name anywhere. Um, oh, because he's to go through waivers, that could be it. But, mm-hmm. oh, there he is. Um, that's very interesting. I did not realize that either. Um, I guess that really means he's... So So he's either been, what, a healthy scratch or just in, in the lineup every all the time because uh, he doesn't have too many games played under his belt per season. But Well, you have to think about where he came into the league at. He came in in Edmonton, Points. where they were... Yeah, he played 60 and 67 in his first two seasons in Edmonton. Yeah. They were desperate for forwards. They weren't yeah. going to let anybody just they weren't going to let anybody sit in the minors and, and and grow because they needed guys that could make an impact now. So that's why Kajula got to start right off the jump and then at that point he was established and he he never really got sent down. But he did face injuries a couple times too. Yeah. Yeah, just very interesting. I did not did not realize that and hey, you know what? Now's the time, I guess. <laughs> I guess uh, it's very interesting because, like I said, decisions were made here today on these two guys. Both players, guys that, I mean, Sullivan had talked glowingly about. All the writers' consensus when you talk to everybody, they're saying, yeah, these two guys are are looking really good. Especially this past week, everything was about Drake Kajula, it seemed. Like, it might be preseason stories because, you know, the big guys aren't really doing much. Like I said, they've only played in one preseason game. But really interesting that he ends up getting sent down. And then the other name on that list, somebody that's actually in the lineup tonight, but he is placed on waivers, is Redeem Zahorna. Uh, somebody else that I've been t- having glowing rev- reviews about. And also uh, four other players that we already mentioned, Tokarski, Ouellette, uh, Nylander, and Kajula all do have to pass through waivers in order to get down to Wilkes-Barre Scranton camp. But uh, we expect that all five of those players will get there. And it's just a matter of, I believe, Zahorna is going to play in this game tonight and then probably get sent down. Yeah, the Zahorna one, if he's not if he's not scooped up. I mean, I know this early in the season, waiver wire pickups are not usually made. Yeah, not, not very often. I feel like if a team really wanted some good depth to their forward core, though, they'd people should be taking a flyer out on, on Redeem Zahorna, but... There's a lot of those guys around the league right now, though, that are getting placed on waivers. Guys that, yeah. you know, they're fringe NHLers. If they get an opportunity in the right spot, they could really make a name for themselves. But it's a matter of there are so many of those guys right now. Like, who do you choose from? And there's almost like an unspoken rule, too, around the, the NHL where GMs, you don't see a lot of waiver wire pickups just because it's hard to cut some of these guys. It's hard to pick out that opening night roster. And uh, a lot of these guys are, are making those decisions themselves. So to be able to go out and pick somebody else's up is a, is a different thing. Right. But, I mean, you also have to figure there were so many other guys t- uh, sent through the waiver wire. Like, the ca- Cab Friendly's tweet thread of it was five, t- five tweets long. Yeah. Um, so there's plenty. Of, and Greg McKaig was on there. If anyone's going nope. to be taken, it's Greg <laughs> McKaig. Um, no. So, yeah, like there's plenty of names out there for people to snag. But overall, I think he's going to clear through. And it's a little surprising that he was that he most likely will eventually be sent to the minors because he's been talked about so highly this camp. You know, he's got a step of, an extra step of speed. He's added some puck skill. He's... Yeah, I know he started last year, but he's playing a lot more center to make to have him be a little more versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an interesting one, especially the timing of it, because again, well, you still have that game to play tonight, mm-hmm. and you know he has to go through waivers. I mean, sure, he didn't get cut from the squad. I mean, maybe that's the little disguise of it. Maybe trying to be a little sneaky. Like, hey, see, he didn't get cut. He's still on our lineup. See, he's not on waivers. Ignore that fake tweet you're saying. I don't know. It could be anything. But mm-hmm. it's very interesting that he might end up in the AHL to start the season anyway, especially with the um, 
pretty positive camp he's been having. And when you think about it, all these names we said, it kind of lends to the fact that the Penguins have, have basically just announced who their 13th forward is to start the season, who's won that battle. And it's somebody that nobody was really talking about throughout all of training camp. So if, if you look at the roster, they have five more cuts coming because they currently sit at 28. Zahorn is going to get cut, which means they're going to be at 27. They're going to need to cut four more players. They currently have 16 forwards, 10 defensemen, two goaltenders. It, it breaks down to bubbles. Who's on the bubble for each one? Forwards, you have Ryan Paling on the bubble, Josh Archibald, who we'll talk about, Jonathan Gruden and Sam Poulin. So, okay, Gruden and Poulin, they're gone. They're, they're going to end up in the minors to start the season. There's no way that Sam Poulin starts the season at the NHL level. If he does, I'll bite my tongue. I'll come onto this podcast. I'll t- call myself an idiot. Whatever. I don't. He's not starting the season at the NHL level. I, I don't see that happening. And then the defense bubble, which is, you know, you could have a top six out of the defense bubble with P.O. Joseph, Ty Smith, Mark Friedman, Chad Ruedel, and Taylor Fadoon. So there's one name on that list that you know is going. So out of the four names you need to be compliant with the NHL roster, you got three that are already going to definitely be cut. So that means one person has to be cut. Probably not going to be a forward because you're not going to go down to 12 forwards. And uh, that means you have to make a decision on defense. And that's probably either P.O. Joseph or Ty Smith. It seems like Ty Smith has the advantage as we've talked about before. But I want to talk about Josh Archibald because basically they just announced that he will be on the opening night roster and he is who they chose as their 13th forward. Uh, Whenever we acquired him, Ron Hextall pretty much said he's going to be in the lineup. Let's just be real. We Mm -hmm. Hextall showed his hand right away with the Josh Archibald thing, which is still very confusing considering other players that could step in. But... um, to be fair, I feel like as much as we it, we may not have expected it or know that there are better players out there, we're going to have to give the guy a chance, I think, because he's in this position where he's going to be on the ice force. He played eight games last season for an assist. Love it. Um, but he's a veteran player. He's been around for a while. Hell, he won a cup with us before. Why not? It's We're going to have to... Except the except that he's going to be in this lineup, he's going to be on the fourth line. There's no I would assume. I don't think they're going to put him on the third. Uh, so he's going to be on that fourth line, maybe even that healthy scratch out. But unless he is just part of the last late cuts and we're not expecting it and not seeing it coming, we're just going to have to support him and be good fans about this and good, uh, you know. Yeah, just be good fans about it and hope he does better than what we are all expecting him to do. He's Obviously, the coaching staff is seeing something we're not, right? Either that or the fact is they could go with 12 forwards. It's not really something that you should really do. You should at least have one extra guy up there, that 13th forward. But they could realistically, because of the status of their defense core, they could realistically you know, keep those couple of guys up and only send one guy down like P.O. Joseph because he doesn't have to clear waivers and and keep both Friedman and Ruedel because we have seen, I mean, in in a pinch, the Penguins will play a defenseman on that fourth line wing. And and Mark Friedman is a guy that a lot of people have mentioned, hey, you could do worse for a fourth line guy in a pinch. But honestly, unless that's what they're doing, Josh Archibald is the guy and Danny Shiree, again, second mentioned on the show, uh, he said, listen, when I asked uh, about Johan Larson on the opening day of free agency, uh, Ron Hextall scoffed at him and said, hey, I, we don't, I don't know about Johan Larson, but I got, you know, Josh Archibald. I mean, Danny said this on uh, the latest podcast on Fifth Avenue as well as where, where I heard this from. But yeah, not only that, but it reminded me they signed him on the opening day of free agency to a $900,000 contract. So there were hints that this is the way that they were going, but just all over training camp, you heard about Kajula, you heard about Zahorna, you heard about O'Connor, and part of that might be because nobody really wanted to talk about Josh Archibald because he's a guy that we had early on in his career. He really got in the news for for the the wrong reasons, not for on-ice reasons last year. He didn't play a lot of games, and, and people fell in love with the idea that somebody else would get that lineup spot, but... 
he's been there all along and, and that's what he earned. So I, unless, like I said, they go with that eight or eight or nine defense core to start the season, probably it would be eight defense core to start the season. I don't understand. Uh, I think Josh Archibald is going to be not, I don't understand, but I, I think Josh Archibald is going to be that 13th forward, which is something that we might've just been trying to avoid in our minds, but it's uh it's right there in front of us. And it's pretty blatantly obvious that that's, who's going to earn that spot. It's a lot of money. It's not league men. Ryan Paling still on league men at seven, five. That's a big part of it. He's, I mean, you have to figure when you look at that $900,000 uh, price tag, you look at some of the guys that are underneath that in Chad Ruedel, Mark Friedman. I already mentioned Ryan Paling. Uh, Ty Smith's making less than that. I'm sure it's a rookie contract deal, but still you understand that that's a higher regard than a couple other players. If you look at it in that sense mm-hmm. and you know, sure you're not supposed to always look at it in that sense, but it is a factor to put into this. Um, and for what it's worth, we are, we are now just one cut away from being under the cap ceiling. But at the same time, that would give us an extra space on the roster. We're at, So it's an interesting little spot. We're in, it's doing that interesting little, hey, the roster size is this with this much money. Now we have to figure it out. Yeah, there has to be a move made somewhere, though. Because there's no way that, that the Penguins can freely make moves, especially, you know, throughout the season if they do not make a move to, to create some space. So you have to think something's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and if they can get a deal together because we've said so many times it takes two to tango in the National Hockey League and uh, right now it doesn't seem like anybody is doing a dance with Ron Hextall. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, bold predictions for the 2022-23 season. We'll see which of us has the most ridiculous predictions based in reality, of course. And we'll see which of these that we'll take the other ones on. But we'll be right back on the tip of the iceberg. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Berlansky here with Horowat. We got bold predictions for the 2022-23 season. We each have three on deck. So Horowat, you know what? I'll let you lead. Cool. I have three predictions of three varying tiers, I guess, if you will. Okay. Give me the first Um, tier then. The first two? No, the first tier. Oh, the first tier? Yeah. I'm trying to decide it here. Uh, I think this one might be a little little lackadaisical almost but it's something i think legere and pool and both make nhl debuts this year it is their time to finally do that and i'm picking those two specifically uh because we've been talking about them for years and years now it seems Mm -hmm. they've been in this organization for a long time they've both gone through highs and lows and i think they're both currently on highs i'm not saying that they're at their peaks but they're both on their way on their upward trajectory Mm-hmm. Clearly, as we talked very highly of Legere a couple weeks ago, and as Pool N is still coasting around on this training camp roster, um, I think they both have great chances of making their NHL debut at some point. I don't know if they'll make it and stay, or if it'll just be a situation like everyone last year where they're going to come up for a handful of games or just one game, get the taste and be sent back down. But I think that's where I think this is where we finally start to see their era in the penguins uniforms and real penguin uniforms i agree with you on sam Poulin. I, I do think and i think you can tell by how how long he's held on at training camp the fact that he will be in the lineup tonight for the fifth of six preseason games and, and i think the way that you've seen him compete in camp there's no doubt in my mind that at some point this season as long as he keeps on the trajectory that he's on that we'll see sam Poulin. i'm a little bullish on uh on whether or not Nate Legere is gonna is gonna make, and that's it. what makes I this mean, one a little bold, you know. <laughs> I know, I, I I know, I like it. I like the prediction. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what Legere does at the beginning of the season down in Wilkes Barre. I'm intrigued to see if he can get the uh, the the numbers that he was able to produce early in his career in juniors. If he's able to fill the back of the net the way that the Pittsburgh Penguins drafted him to do. So I don't know. That's that's what makes it bold. I like it though because. 
Uh, you saw last year Valtteri Pustinen made that step, played one game. Philip Hollander made that step, played one game. Casper Bjorkfist, who's no longer with the Penguins organization, he made that step, played in six games. So there were a lot of guys that got cups of coffee, maybe even just a sip of coffee before getting sent down. But uh, I've always said this season that I expect them to use their youth a little bit more. And that might be part of it. So I, I like that prediction, Horwat. Um, but I'm going to lead off with my first one. And this one, let me know if it's too spicy for you. Kasperi Kapanen, clearly in the news for the wrong reasons last year. Not a great player last season. Only scored a handful of goals. And that'd be 11 with three of them coming in one game. Kasperi Kapanen will score 25 goals this season. 25? 25. 25 goals, which would be a career high for him. Oh. He had... A, he had 11 goals in 79 games last year. His shooting percentage was 8.5%, which is putrid. It is to the level where not only is that you playing bad, but you don't have puck luck. And something's going to change. Clearly, he's looked good in training camp. I don't take any of that into account because he looked great in training camp last year. But I think he will work his way back into the Penguins' top six eventually, either by injury to somebody ahead of him or the fact that he plays well on that third line. And I also think he's going to score multiple shorthanded goals this season. It is underrated how fast he is. And on the penalty kill, where there's a little bit more space, and when the other team is playing a little bit more lackadaisical to their own zone, I think Kasperi Kapanen takes advantage and he scores multiple shorties this year. He's done that twice so far in his career. He's gotten two shorthanded goals two years in a row, his last two in mm -hmm. Toronto. I really like that idea for sure, the shorthanded goals part, because he and Bluger sharing that, especially if they share a line on the penalty kill, can be pretty offensively minded. I mean, we know Bluger has that little touch. Bluger led the uh, the Penguins in shorthanded points last year. One goal, one assist. That's all we have. Oh, goodness. Yes. If we, yeah. but I, I just remember the bubble year where he popped off for some reason. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that one a lot more than I like the 25 goals. 25 would be an impressive career high. It's a hell of a bounce back. Um, that one's going to be interesting. I think he might get around 15. <laughs> Not to, hey. like, salt on the wound for Kasperi Kapanen, but he's got to really prove himself. And 25 would really, really prove himself. Oh, yeah. I'd be happy with 15 to 20. I mm -hmm. think 25 is a bit much, but, hey, you know what? If, if all goes well, prediction. Yeah, all goes well. <laughs> I don't hate it. All right, Horowat, what is your number two? This one's also a little interesting. It is back to a, it, it's a point prediction, if you will. But I think, despite their age, this again, this is going to come with two players. One of them is going to make a little more sense. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, both touching ninety points, if not surpassing. Now, this is a little different. We already heard Tyler Kennedy say he wouldn't be shocked if. Malkin led the team in points. I don't see that one happening. That's a little extreme, but mm. um, Malkin, we can agree, is hungry this year. We know Sid might just do this in his sleep. It's 90 points. He had 84 last year, and sure, he's kind of kind of regressing in point production a little bit. I'm trying to let me pull those numbers He also up. only played in 69 games, I believe. Yes, he did, and then 55 the season before for 62. Uh, in the 40-whatever in the game season, he played 41 for 47. And then when you go back to the his 79-game season in 18-19, 100 points. Mm -hmm. But he hasn't touched 90 in, before then since well, since before our cup runs. So I think if he's able – so I think he's going to have that trajectory to hit 90 again. As for Malkin, mm -hmm. that's the questionable one, right, of mm -hmm. who's got 90 points in them. Uh, Malkin hasn't hit 90 points since 17-18. Mm -hmm. Now, again, fighting injuries, but – new contract he's hungry he's been watching everything people have been saying i think he's got a good chance at it this year and we know scoring is up and 90 points is hard to hit but it is very well possible he's also mm -hmm. only done it three times how about a fourth yeah here's the thing horwell and i promise to our listeners we did not talk about these beforehand so we didn't know what the other person was going to say but i'll do you one better the Penguins will have two 100-point scorers, and you just mentioned their names. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Crosby's last 100-point season you mentioned in 2018-19 with 100 points. Evgeny Malkin, the last time he reached 100 points, 
the 2011-2012 season where he had 109. The last season that he played over 70 games, he had 98 points, which was 2017-18, which was, I get it, it was five years ago. But something about his season coming up. Call me somebody who gets attached to the narrative. Something about his season being healthy all offseason, having the reassurance that he will be a Pittsburgh Penguin for life, something about it says to me that Evgeny Malkin is about to go off. Now, 100 points is a lot. 100 points is a lot. 100 100 points is a stretch, and that's what I said. These are bold predictions. These aren't rinky-dink, yeah, I'm going to try to make the right prediction, because not all these, probably most of these, won't come true. But they're bold predictions, and I think... If the Penguins have two 100-point scorers, it's their two centers. Crosby, I, I think I agree with you, is not out of the realm of possibility. That one is a little bit more realistic. Evgeny Malkin, if he can stay healthy, though, the I Am Comeback Tour Part 2. He's like Elton John like coming back 80 times. Yeah, yeah he, he's Elton John with the comeback tours. But I think it, this time it comes around and it shows people that, hey, that's why this guy was supposed to be an NHL top 100 player. That's why this guy is a first ballot Hall of Fame player. And that's why the Pittsburgh Penguins have two 100-point scorers, one being Sidney Crosby, one being Evgeny Malkin. I thought I was going I thought I was being generous with 90, you know. Uh, Will you join me at 100 or what? Or do you think that's too much? No, because I was I thought about 100, and then I slipped Jake Gensel into that conversation for some reason, and then I thought, now we're just getting ridiculous. Um, well, here's the thing. If the Penguins are going to, if these two Penguins are going to reach 100 points, he's gonna the reach power 90. play needs to be better. It's, yeah, that's true, too. That's very true, too. Both things. Both things. Gensel's going to have to reach 90 or somewhere up there, and the Penguins' power play is going to have to be top 10 in the National Hockey League. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I just kind of kept Gensel off my predictions in general because... We are already thinking of him at least hitting 40, possibly hitting 50. Neither of those are bold. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to talk about him probably hitting 50 all year just because. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as for the 100 points could be a little more bold for Gensel, but because when you said two, I knew you were going to have Sid on there. I was thinking you were going to say Gensel. That's the point. And now here we are with Evgeny Malkin. A little bit, little bit of suspense, Horwat. But uh, hit me with your last one. We got one more each. Hit me with your last bold prediction for the Penguins in 2022-23. My last one is quite fun, and it does include someone else who just signed a new contract this year. I will bold predict that Chris Letang, yet again for the second year in a row, has another career year. Hmm. I don't know how he does it. I mean, hell, I don't know how. We don't know how he did it last year at the age of 34, mm-hmm. going off and putting up 68 points for a career high. Now, the career gear could come in many different forms. Of course, it would have to equal at least 69 to 70 points. Uh, it could come in any way it wants. Maybe he scores more than 10 goals and gets a few, few less, fewer assists. But one way or the other, also bet his penalty minutes goes down from 49. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet he has one more career year, and I'm averaging about 24, 25 minutes a game as he did last year. I'm not going to say Norris conversation stuff just because that ship has sailed despite how good he might be. Everyone's going to look at Adam Fox, Kale McCarr, and the young guns these days. Mm-hmm. But Chris Letang in the Pittsburgh Penguins uniform, for the last time, will have his mountain, <coughs> excuse me, his mountaintop year. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I really do it. I looked at Letang, and here's the thing 68 points last year was very impressive. We didn't know how he did it. Uh, one surefire way for him to get that career year part de would be the fact that he would have an actual defense partner. We don't know if, if Brian Dumlin is that at this point of his career. But the one thing that will help him, though, I think is Jeff Petrie. And I think the, is the way that Jeff Petrie and Marcus Pedersen are going to look as the Penguins' second D pairing. It might take a little bit off the shoulders of Chris Letang defensively, which will let him freewheel and, and score those points, which that's the thing about his season last year. He didn't just score 10 goals, 58 points assists and and 68 points for a career high he was very good defensively defensively responsible great on the penalty kill one of the best reasons why that penalty kill was so good he was fantastic on the power play despite the power play not being great uh he was good in all areas of the game last year and he like you said those penalty minutes was it 49 penalty minutes that's not too bad for a guy that plays 25 minutes a game so it's a matter of he didn't take the stupid penalties last year it wasn't the the aggravated, I'm going to slash somebody because I'm pissed off and I'm French-Canadian. It wasn't that. It wasn't Xavier Laflame going out there and taking people's heads off. So I, I agree with you 
that he is in a really good position this year because his conditioning, it seems, never falters. We watched a conditioning stint for the Penguins when we were both there, and everybody else was down on a knee. These 22-year-olds down on a knee and the 35-year-olds sitting there like, can we go another one, please? And and, and that is something that Crystal Tang will always have, it seems. It seems like his conditioning level and his fitness level is, you know, there's professional athletes and there's Chris Letang. So I, I agree that there's a chance that he does that. You know, 70 points for a defenseman is a lot. As I say that, I, I remember the fact that, you know, Robin Yossi had 96 points last year. But, you know, Chris Letang and the way that he plays and the role that he is in this offense, if he can get to 70, that would do a lot because he finished – what, seventh in Norris Trophy voting last year? So I, I believe he would finish top 10 again. I think that's that much is a given. Whether or not he gets into that top three is a different discussion. Probably not something that it's going to happen. Now, the, the top, there's two, there are three spots for nominations. Two of them are solidified with Makar and Fox's name for the next five seasons. And then Hedman and Yossi are probably fighting for the third. Just one. filtering in and out. <clears throat> um, one thing that is interesting, though, whenever I say career year, like I said, it might, it might come with fewer points, but maybe he steps his defense d- defensive game up to another level maybe he coasts at 60 fewer points because we are talking about a defenseman here yes but i don't know how maybe his defensive metrics skyrocket for some reason <laughs> you know maybe yeah. there's a different angle to the career year that i mean you know the analytics more than i do that i don't understand so you'll have to inform me if that's how it works out but 75 percent expected goals rate something like that. if that's what that is yes <laughs> It's, it's, it's part of it. Yeah. So let's say that happens. Like, that would be a huge part of it. But also, again, let's say this power play kicks off the way it's supposed to. Sinjino can easily hit 100. And Chris Letang can easily crush 70. The word easily is transposed in that conversation a little too easily for you. Yes. Uh, the- I don't – even if the power play is top one, uh, easily to 100 points for a forward and easily to 70 points for a defenseman is still a lot. Uh but, you know, I, I can see that there's a path there. It, it creates a path for those guys. Put it, I mean, put it this way. Chris Letang had 22 points on the power play last season. Yeah. If he gets more than that, we're, we're already in good shape. Because that was 20 assists. Mm-hmm. That's most of them, I feel like. Yeah, which also shows me, again, that Chris Letang needs to shoot more on the Penguins power play. But uh, the, the final bowl prediction. We're going to round this out with number six, or I guess number five, because we both kind of shared the one. Um, unbeknownst to each other before the show. Uh, my final bold prediction is about the man and the big pads. The man in black, if you will. Tristan Jari will finish the season as a finalist for the Vezina Trophy. See, I was considering that one as well. Um, mm-hmm. That's a f- I think, So I'm going to have to agree there's with a path you. On, I think there's a path for that, and I think that is the most realistic of all of the bold predictions that I have heard here today. I, I do, I do, and that's a big statement because that means he's top three in goaltenders. Last year, he finished seventh in the National Hockey League in save percentage at a 919. He finished eighth in wins at 34 wins. I think he finishes top five in both of those categories. I think his shutout numbers increase a little bit more, and I think his backup goaltender is not going to hang him out the dry like Casey DeSmith hung him out the dry at the beginning of last season. I think the Smith, I don't know what happened to him last year, but he was not good at the beginning of the season. I think he enters the season on a much better note than he did last year. And Tristan Jari doesn't have to carry that workload, which leads to him being more consistently the guy we saw at the top level. The guy we saw against the New York Rangers in that first matchup on a matinee on a Saturday. The guy that shut down one of the best offenses in the National Hockey League. That's the guy that I think we see much more often this year. And that's why I have Tristan Jari as a Vezina Trophy finalist. Not that he would win, but I think he's a finalist. I also think there's a reason because... Shesterkin was so ungodly good last year. He's going to find some regression. There's no way he's going to hit that second year in a row. And Andre Vasilevsky's always there. So I can't put him in the top two, uh, even if it's a bold prediction. But I do think he finishes in that top three. That's fair. So for last, I'll I'll help you out with this one. Because I'm going to kind of agree with you. Who are the early, what's one goalie? We're both shocked is in early predictions for being the top goalie in the league. Who, who's the guy that I'm shocked? We're both shocked. We've been discussed like, but they'll have him in Hall of Fame discussions by the All Star break. 
it seems. For Vancouver, Thatcher Demko. Oh, yes. Yeah, Thatcher Demko is always there. I was like, Ilya Sorokin, but <laughs> no. he's, pretty, he's still really good. And I'm not saying Thatcher Demko is bad. I'm saying he's getting overhyped to hell and back. Mm-hmm. Last season, both Thatcher Demko and Tristan Jari ended with one Vesna vote for third place. When, if you look at the numbers, Tristan Jari had a better season in every statistical category. Mm-hmm. So, if the trajectories remain the same here, let's say Thatcher Demko is supposed to be as good as people are saying. Now, if that means Tristan Jari is the better, then yeah, absolutely, he's going to be in that top three. There you go. Backed up your yeah. statement. There we go. But those are our bold predictions. A lot of, a lot of interesting takes in the past 20 minutes. But we're going to take one quick break, and then we'll come back and finish it off with a quick look at our weekly pens poll. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We are 10 days away for what? 10 days. Drew O'Connor days. Oh, poor guy. He's not going to be there. Drew O'Connor days away from the start of the National Hockey League season for the Pittsburgh Penguins, I should say, because we are eight days away from the actual start of the season on Tuesday, but the Penguins will not play until Thursday of next week. But with that, there's a couple of players that the Penguins acquired for a first round pick one being two seasons ago, one being three seasons ago, and they really haven't lived up to the hype, and that is Jason Zucker and Kasperi Kapanen. Injuries for Zucker, Kasperi Kapanen, whatever happened last season, somebody had a voodoo doll of him, or whatever it was, did not go well. Either way, neither of them have met expectations, especially whenever they've been acquired for a first-round pick. So the question we asked this week was, will those two players, Zucker and Kapanen, combine for over- or under 40 goals this season. Keep in mind, last year they combined for 19. So Horwat, are you over or under the 40 goal mark for these two guys? Uh, I I might have to have a push and just say they combined for 40. No, I think... Okay, no, don't give me I'm that. I'm not, because I am going to go with over because I'm going to step on your side a little bit with the generosity toward Kasperi Kapanen like we had discussed earlier. Um but more or less, I think Jason Zucker really refines what uh, we brought him here to do. If he's able to remain healthy and play with the same sort of tenacity and jump that he wanted to play with last season, um, I think he could carry those carry most of those 40 for, the, for these two. Um, like I said, I'll jump on your side a little bit with Kappen, and maybe he does hit 20, and there's half. All Zucker has to do now is pretty much be his average self, and he'll hit 20. Because we know he can do that. So I'm going to roll with the over, um, despite it possibly being a push. Yeah, when I look at these guys, I, I do see 40 goals. I-, I do see a path to 40 goals for these guys combined. It- obviously, if I have Kapanen at 25, that means Zucker only has to hit 15. And then the question becomes, if Jason Zucker is healthy, he will hit 15 goals. Like, that's 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 what's going to happen. He's going to at least hit 15 goals. But, I mean, you look at what they did last season. Kapanen with 11, and that was the bottom of the barrel. That is the worst that it can get. So, yes, I I, I think it's pretty clear and obvious that he's going to score at least 18. I, I think 18 is a fair bet to say that that's a lock for Kasperi Kapanen, as much of a lock as anything can be. So, I, I think Kapanen does get to that 25, which I said earlier. And I also think that Jason Zucker will remain healthy, which which to me means he needs to score at least 15 goals. I see that path, but I also understand why, you know, a lot of people said under. And that this, this stems from our Penn's poll. 56% of voters said that these two would combine for under 40 goals. 44% are along with us saying over. So I'll play devil's advocate here for the under. They scored 19. So to say that they would together have to double what they did last season is a jump. It really is, especially when neither of them have hit 20 goals in a Penguins uniform. However, I do think Kasperi Kapanen's usage in the correct way, I mean, Mike Sullivan said earlier this camp, I have to do a better job of coaching him. So I I believe that being used in the right way, being reassured with that new contract, I think that leads to Kasperi Kapanen having a better season. And Jason Zucker, I mean, knock on wood, 
is there any way that he can stay healthy for a full season? Because if he can, you know, then it's good. But he hasn't done it. Again, same thing with what people say with Evgeny Malkin. Can he play a full season healthy? I don't know. Like, devil's advocate, he's not going to. Like, that that's what he has shown you since he's come to the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's not going to stay healthy because of the way he plays and the age he is. That's the devil's advocate view. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can see why 56% of voters said under 40 goals. And I can totally see why, too. I mean, the city of Pittsburgh is just down on their sports teams right now. They're down. I mean, in general, yeah. The Buccos are about to hit 100 losses again. Um, we've seen what the Steelers are doing. Yeah, the Kenny Pickett era has started, but still just a depressing, depressing loss. Oh, yeah. Um, to the Jets, and we're now 1-3, and three, right? Yeah, the Steelers' season is over. Um, we don't need to get into that because look at their next four games, and that's all I'll say on that. Yeah, so it, it, Pittsburgh fans in general, just sports, just fans of the professional teams. Hey, let's throw, let's lob Pitt in there. They also just took a depressing loss. Pitt football <laughs> and Pitt basketball does, needs no introduction. We are down on our sports teams right now. That includes the Penguins because of those early playoff exits we've had for the past how many seasons. We are down bad on guys like Jason Zucker because, oh, well, he's been injured the entire time. He hasn't lived up to the expectations yet. Guess Barry Kapanen just had an awful season, and then we re-signed him to a bloated deal. Mm -hmm. So I I can see where sports fans in this town get this idea that they're not going to do it. We're all Mm -hmm. kind of in the dark side right now. So I get it. I totally see both sides of this argument of, well, you want to see them do better, but at the same time, nothing is looking good in the city of champions right now. So I can see both sides of it as well, much like your devil's advocate, but mine from a more mental standpoint. Yeah. And now here's the thing, and this will be the last thing we discuss on this show. How much of it do you think it's because of what they were acquired for? Now stick with me on this one. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious, but I think Penguins fans were pretty spoiled in the early stages of the Crosby career, even into the middle towards the late stages of the Crosby career is when the Penguins traded a first round pick. The first time they really did it of note was Marion Hosa and Pascal Dupuis. Like you can't get much better than that. Hosa was great for that playoff run. Dupuis was great his entire career in Pittsburgh. Like he was, he was fantastic until he couldn't play anymore. Then a couple years later, it's Jerome Ginla. And while, yes, the Penguins didn't, you know, win with Jerome Ginla, they, they looked horrible in that conference finals. They went to the conference finals. And Ginla, while he didn't have a massive part in it, was that guy that the Penguins acquired, and then they went on a deep playoff run. Phil Kessel. They get Phil Kessel. Immediately, they win two Stanley Cups. Okay, that first round pick definitely paid for itself there. And then it's Jason Zucker. They don't do anything. They don't win a playoff series. Now he misses two seasons basically due to injury. Then they get Kasperi Kappen. They pay a first round pick for a guy that they already traded away who was a first round pick. He comes in, doesn't start the beginning of his first season in Pittsburgh because of visa issues. Does pretty well in 40 games and then has one of the worst seasons we have seen him have in his career. Do you think that it's expounded by the fact that previously when the Penguins spent a first round pick at the trade deadline, it has worked out so well that now they just expected it to work again with guys like Zucker and Kapanen? It's it's very interesting. I think Kapanen almost gets half of a pass because he was involved in the original Phil Kessel deal. So you kind of understand that, hey, we shipped him out along with the first-round pick to bring in Phil Kessel, who brought two cups. And then we brought him back. If you look at the rest of the deal for bringing Kapanen back, yeah, we sent out a first-round pick, but we also sent out Evan Rodriguez and Philip Hollander, both of which we got back. (laughs) Yeah, the pipeline between Pittsburgh and Toronto is an interesting history. So there's not too much to be had there with the Kapanen deals. Like For sure, yeah, it's hard losing the first-round pick. They ended up taking Rodion Amir off, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how fa- how deep Penn's fans look into the first round pick itself part of it. I mean, the, in the Zucker one, it made total sense to make that trade. We got ri- we acquired Jason Zucker for dropping a very not good Alex Galchenyuk 
Sure, we also dropped Kalen Addison, and that one hurts a little. But now our defense pipeline is stacked, sort of. Uh, Whenever I say stacked, I mean it's a pipeline. It is uh, a logjam. They have nine NHL ready. It is a logjam. That is the word I meant to say, not a... Okay. It is a logjam that is stacked. It is piling up. It's not phenomenal, but there's a ton of people there. And then that first-round pick who they chose, Carson Lambos, or it was... Yeah, they, they kept it. So... Yeah, I don't think people look too deeply into the picks of it because, I mean, hell, our drafts have been bad recently. Let's also just tell it like it is. When's the last time we had a draft pick play for us? Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Valtteri Pustin in last year. Or at least, like, the most recent one. So it's – I don't know how deeply we look into the draft pick part of it. We just want to see what these guys can do now. And you're right. Maybe that is also part of it. These guys have been disappointing so far. Yeah. I, I think you don't look into it, but I, I think when you, you look should. at the general consensus of the Pittsburgh Penguins fan base, they look into it. And they don't look into who was picked in the first round. They don't care about that. It's the first round pick has been overvalued by Pittsburgh Penguins fans for a long time. And here's the thing. The first time you used it, I already went through the history. Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Phil Kessel, who's an enigma, Zucker and Kapanen, neither of which are on a Hall of Fame trajectory, neither of which are expected to ever get on a Hall of Fame trajectory. It's just a matter of you have to just not include those things. Like you have to separate each move as it is and what the market is at that point too, because sometimes that's the best available player on the market and you have to spend that first round pick in order to get it or you just don't make a move. And we knew Jim Rutherford who pulled the trigger on both of these trades was not going to not make a move. So it's an interesting thing to talk about. We could probably talk about it for ages, but that's going to do it for this episode. We both say over 40 goals combined for Jason Zucker and Kasperi Kapanen. Just tack that onto our bold predictions that we talked about at the middle of the show. But we will see you guys on Thursday. Have a great week, Pens fans. Yeah.